The annual Truth Act Community Forum took place this week. The discussion is meant to inform the community of their legal rights when it comes to how local law enforcement agencies work with immigration and customs enforcement on immigration issues. At the forum, dozens of people criticized Sheriff Bill Gore for allowing ICE access to county jails and for transferring immigrants to ICE. Here's how he responded. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Charles Clark, you're the politics reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you also cover county government. First, uh, let's kind of get the lay of the land. Can you explain what this forum is and why it was held? Right. So the Truth Act Forum is something that was implemented following uh, SB 54, which was the big kind of immigration kind of bill that the state legislature adopted several years back. Um, The Truth Act, though, what it kind of instills is this obligation for law enforcement entities that interact with ICE in any capacity. Um, Once a year, they have to hold a public forum with the community where they kind of disclose just how much they're working with them, you know, describe what they're doing, and then also hear feedback from the community. Um, It's intended to increase transparency uh, and by proxy accountability. Mm -hmm. And can you describe what the relationship between the Sheriff's Department and ICE exactly is? Like broadly, what are they allowed to do without a team up? How does this work? Right. So it's it's also important to keep in mind that we're we're kind of a more unique situation as a border community. Um, so given that, there's a lot of task force and things that the sheriff's department serves on alongside ICE. Um, now, un, under the SB 54 and the state laws, the, the sheriff can interact with ICE, and there's some 800 offenses that are outlined that you know if a perp violates those, they can be transferred to ICE directly. Now, outside of those offenses, the, the whole kind of idea of SB 54 is you don't want local law enforcement trying to enforce federal immigration laws um, because many academic studies as well as other things have already shown that, you know, if a person is worried about the legal status of them or a family member, if they're in a mixed family, they're less likely to report a crime, right, to local law enforcement if they see something, if they think that local law enforcement in turn is going to turn them over to ICE. Um, now, what has kind of been the complicating factor is our, our sheriff, to his credit, has changed with SB 54 to a degree. Um, it doesn't sound like ICE uh, has total free reign over county jails like they they previously had. Um, but they certainly still have access in a way that renders a lot of advocates and community members very uncomfortable. Um, and then when you combine that with some other sheriff's department policies that seem to run counter to SB 54, I think that just makes a, a, a difficult situation uh, even worse. Mm-hmm. And you kind of hinted at it before, but when it comes to immigration law, which you know is both has civil elements and criminal elements, Whose job is it to enforce? Right. So fundamentally, this is, you know, federal immigration officials are the ones responsible for deporting people. Um, That's how we've set it up. Now, you know, if someone breaks a law locally, right, our our law enforcement at the local level try to hold people accountable. Um, But when it comes to this idea of actually deporting people, that is purely, as I understand it, a federal immigration uh, or federal law enforcement issue. Um, 
and where you run into trouble with that is that in some communities, it certainly seems like local law enforcement took it upon themselves to team up um, and do essentially immigration enforcement, which is not their job. Uh, now, I'm not saying necessarily that's what's happened here, um, but there are certainly things going on that obviously there's a reason you saw a hundred some people come out the other night uh, or call in the other night to complain because they see some things that um, while that may not be directly what the sheriff is doing, it, it certainly uh, treads a fine line. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to clarify, basically what happens is that the sheriff's department does what it would normally do. And if someone is arrested who happens to be undocumented, that person may get transferred to ICE, but it's not like the Sheriff's Department is going out and looking for people who are undocumented, correct? Correct. Yes. And how frequently does that transfer happen? Uh, can you explain, you know, during the Trump administration what that's been looking like? Right. Well, I mean, we know, you know, uh, I know, you know, people used to criticize the Obama administration because they were very aggressive when it came to deportations as well. Uh, Trump certainly his his position on immigration and undocumented immigrants has been very clear, um, which is part of why you saw such a visceral response from many California communities to his immigration policies. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact figures as far as what we've been doing on the national stage. I do know locally what I can speak to is that our sheriff's department. Uh, for the 2019 year, you know, had over 200 direct transfers. Uh, I think advocates, rightfully so, raised some concerns about the validity of those numbers, given how they're qualifying transfers. And there was also a case at the Truth Act Forum from the year prior, where the sheriff reported a number that directly contradicted a number that his office had put out uh, four months earlier or so. So it's a bit inconsistent, but you, we can certainly, I think, comfortably say that there are hundreds of people who have been transferred from the sheriff's department to ICE custody. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you recap some of the main arguments that activists made at the forum? Like kind of give us a uh, lay of the land there. Right, right. So one, next, one issue is how easily accessible or kind of this idea of do ICE officials or ICE personnel have free access to county jails. Obviously, that's something that has been an ongoing concern. Um, there's concern about how exactly the sheriff is kind of documenting and maintaining this data about who has been transferred. Um, but, but really, the biggest issue and the one you kept hearing over and over, um, and it's kind of a twofold thing, is that you hear advocates and community members and attorneys point to this pending inmate release list that the sheriff posts on its website. The sheriff's department has not always had that list. Um, they've always had a lookup tool where if you knew an inmate's name, as most people who, if you're looking for a family member or you are the victim of a crime, often you may end up knowing the person's name. So you could find that out, right? If that's your concern and that's why it exists. Now the sheriff's department, though, after the passage of SB 54, which tr greatly tried to limit law enforcement's ability to interact with ICE, uh, the sheriff's department started putting together this pending release list. Um, now they claim it wasn't directly to counter that law, but it did start, you know, pretty quickly after that law was adopted. And what that allows ICE to do, and I know this is kind of a wordy and complicated way to do it, but essentially what it allows ICE officials to do is, you know, they can just look at who's on the pending release list, look at the names, 
maybe get into some racial profiling there, given the names and surnames and things, and start looking for people, right, and trying to figure out if they have, you know, legal status or not. Um, and then you even had a few cases and multiple cases that were brought up yesterday of community members who have literally had these things where they've seen a person walk out of the county jail and literally in the parking lot, they're getting apprehended by ICE. And they didn't commit an offense that qualifies as one of those severe offenses that would qualify for a ICE or a transfer to ICE custody. Um, sometimes we even had one attorney who mentioned that some of the people aren't even actually charged with a crime ultimately. And they're just released and then ICE picks them up and takes them away. Mm -hmm. And it, it does seem like that this is a part of the more broad kind of enforcement strategy that has been in place recently. I mean, it's changed over the current years. But um, at what point does the sheriff change what it does? Because it's obvious that in you know many places, San Diego being one of them, Immigration is an issue that affects many people that live here. It means a bit more here than it does in other places. How does he respond to this criticism that he's been getting? Right. So I do think it's important to differentiate here the response of the sheriff prior to Tuesday. Um, so if you look at what had happened over the last couple of years with community members bringing these complaints, I remember sitting at the Truth Act Forum, I guess it would be last year's forum um, and you had like a couple dozen community members come and voice virtually all of these exact same concerns um, and for whatever reason it just fell on deaf ears the pending release list thing all of that now the sheriff to his credit and we'll you know have to follow and find out if he, he really means it he did say pretty wholeheartedly that he wants to compromise on some of these issues and he wants to set up a working group with the San Diego, San Diego Immigrant Rights Consortium to work on some of these things. Um, and he specifically pointed to the pending release list as something he thinks that they can address. Um, and he has been adamant that, right, that wasn't his intention to circumvent uh, state law. Um, It'll be really interesting, I think, for us all to follow how that actually plays out, because I think, understandably, there's some skepticism among community advocates, right? If we've brought you these issues for three years and you've done nothing, you know, are you just paying us lip service now? Um, but also, I guess, you know, the benefit of the doubt side, one thing that Sheriff Gore has said repeatedly, and I remember him saying at last year's forum, is he is one of the law enforcement officials who is very adamant about the fact that, you know, his deputy's job isn't to enforce, you know, immigration law, um, you know, and, and he specifically has said, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, the community is less safe when people feel they can't approach my deputies with something, right, which kind of speaks to the bigger concern of advocates that, you know, in immigrant communities, if they're afraid, they're not going to report anything. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I think, you know, the other added component of this that makes it kind of complicated and I think hard for advocates is that the sheriff and the board of supervisors have aggressively fought SB 54. They've sued the state of California. They joined a Trump lawsuit again, you know, failed Trump lawsuit to try to upend the sanctuary, you know, laws that we have in the state. So when you do all those things, I, I think it is understandably met with some skepticism when you're trying to tell people you want to be uh, more open and an ally and hearing the concerns of members of our uh, immigrant community. Well, I mean, that begs the question, is Sheriff Gore saying this just because the Board of Supervisors is going to change drastically? 
Right. So that's the other, you know, big thing here. And you actually heard a few people say this the other night. And I talked to someone who even before the event was telling me they didn't expect to get much out of this event. They really didn't. They felt that the current board of supervisors is currently constituted as a lost cause. A, a reminder for folks, only two members of the board, uh, Supervisor Nathan Fletcher and Supervisor Greg Cox, opposed the county trying to join in on Trump's lawsuit against the sanctuary policies. Um, but, you know, things are changing. We're getting three new board members. It'll be a Democratic majority, um, uh, presumably headed as with Nathan Fletcher as chair for this first year. And Fletcher has been outspoken um, in support of these community advocates. It, I, I think it is fair to ask the question of maybe the sheriff feels his feet a bit more to the fire here, knowing that the people that oversee his budget uh, are frankly going to be, I think, more empathetic to hearing these community members' concerns. Mm-hmm. And certainly with some of the reporting the UT has done over the years on uh, county jails, uh, the Dying Behind Bars project as well, um, Sheriff Gore has been under a lot of criticism, and it does appear that he may have to face his critics a bit more directly in the coming years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing that, you know, I, I think the thing that I like to point to, because I know a lot of people are kind of recently getting into county government. I remember when I got here and we'd ask any kind of questions about the sheriff or things that default line from darn near all the supervisors was, oh, he's an independent elected official and he can set policy as he sees fit. That's true, but they also control the budget. And if they really care about something and you now have a board that will aggressively try to push him in a certain direction, um, you know, that, that certainly you think changes the dynamic a bit. All right. There certainly would think changes the dynamic for Sheriff Gore as he kind of figures out and assesses how to navigate these things. Mm-hmm. And also at the event itself, um, what was the subtext when it comes to how immigration law and how immigration policy is likely to change in the Biden administration? Because it's likely that it won't be a priority as it has been for the Trump administration. So did you get a sense of maybe optimism or at least, you know, reduced enforcement from people who are critical of the system as it is now? You know, you didn't really hear people say that. Um, and it was actually kind of fascinating to watch because they were so laser focused. I mean, you had more than 100 members of the community speak. Not only were all of them critical of the sheriff's department and the county board for how they've handled this, um, but they really seem to be laser focused on these specific issues within our local community that were in their control. They didn't seem to speak much about how things will change in the national landscape. Um, Although I I guess what I would add to that is just given how they at times really um, shoved it in the face of certain supervisors who've worked in opposition to them. I mean, you had a a member of the community who literally made a comment about how happy they were to see uh, Supervisor Kristen Gaspar gone, Gaspar who had appeared multiple times with Trump and things like that. and I think that kind of speaks to they, they, you know, I think one of them even added, you know, Supervisor Desmond, we're watching you and you saw what we did with flipping the board. So, like, they're clearly cognizant of the changing winds here. Um, I don't know if people necessarily were as concerned about the national policy side mm-hmm. of it, though. 
Yeah, but certainly, I mean, during the Trump administration, San Diego has become the place where these policies have been enacted first, and we've been kind of the subject of experiments. And it's understandable that that really does get people mad. And this is a chance for, you know, at least locally to people to state their claims saying they disagree with that, even if, you know, not necessarily the sheriff for a local agency did it. The fact that it happened here still has ripple effects. Exactly. And I think, you know, in kind of speaking to that broader context that you kind of mentioned there, it's it's hard to watch what happened Tuesday night and kind of the visceral reaction without keeping in mind that we've also had a situation, right, where ICE is literally snatching kids from parents, right? And we have some hundreds of kids that very well may never see their parents again, right? They can't find them. I I think all of that and everything that's happened over the past four years, particularly that issue, because I think that's a really salient one that no matter how you feel about immigration or undocumented immigrants, I would hope, I think most Americans would agree, the US government probably shouldn't be in the business of kidnapping children. Um, but that, that just kind of adds to, I think, why you saw such a visceral reaction from advocates. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, you know, after what's happened in the past four years, uh, emotions are high and it's, you know, somewhat, I don't know, promising, I suppose, to see people focused on how something can actually change in the local level. Because as we've seen through the pandemic, through a lot of the things, understanding a government isn't exactly the strongest, but this forum does seem like those people knew what could change here? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that I will say, I think, you know, I've covered hundreds of board meetings at this point. To a person, the people who called in, I think, were more prepared than I've ever seen. I mean, just their their breadth of knowledge of it. They, they really knew what they were speaking about and why they wanted to speak out. Um, and I'd also add, you know, because I actually got an email from someone this morning complaining about, well, why – you know, what about the perspective of people who, you know, are fine with the sheriff doing all this? Well, my simple answer is those people didn't show up, right? If those people aren't willing to publicly say that, I think that speaks to probably where the public conscious is. And I think it probably speaks to Sheriff Gore a bit about where members in his community feel about some of this behavior. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Charles Clark, thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you're curious about how Greater San Diego is working toward building a better future, listen to the UT's Luis Cruz on Together San Diego. Join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on uniontrib.com. Until next time.